Davis has Golden Boyd and Greenlee Martin at his disposal. Davis has the basketball, looks to inbound, throws right corner, Boyd, shot fake with four, with three, Boyd to the rim, layup, good! He landed it with two and a half seconds left, inbound, Lomax with one, they don't get a shot off, they don't get a shot off, the cannon couldn't get the shot off, Nick Boyd the hero, Florida Atlantic, we'll see on Sunday here in Columbus, Florida Atlantic 66, Memphis 65, an absolute thriller. Set, go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. Turn it up! Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. On a day unlike any other in the history of Florida Atlantic and ESPN West Palm, the FAU Owls have won not one but two NCAA tournament games and have advanced to the Sweet 16. Josh Cohen in for Ken Levicka, who is traveling with the team as they make their way to the Mecca, the world's most famous arena. You heard what I said. Listen close in case it's not sinking in. The FAU Owls are playing in the Sweet 16 in Madison Square Garden. Stolen Benowitz, I know you're a little sleep-deprived. You just flew back from out in Arizona. You didn't get a chance to sleep in a bed last night. You were on planes and airports, red-eyeing it back for the show. You heard me right. I know you think right now that you're delusional from sleep deprivation. You heard what I said. FAU not only in the tournament, not only winning a first-round game, not only advancing the Sweet 16, but now spending the week in New York, preparing for Madison Square Garden on Thursday. This is real life. To be honest with you, it doesn't feel like real life. It doesn't. It it actually has not set in for me personally. And I say that, and I'm just an attachment of Ken. So God only knows what he's going through right now mentally. He's actually flying to New York as we speak. His plane is in the sky. But you're right. It does not feel like real life. It is real life. And it is the Monday of March Madness. And most of you have brackets that we call brokens because they are at this point. But good news. If you're in the ESPN West Palm Tournament Challenge, Out of the 20 entries, I'm 20th. So no one's in worse position right now than I. However, I have great uh, opportunity to advance because my team's still alive down the road. Down the big picture, down the road. Ken would be here today if his team had lost. His team had not lost. When I tell you that no one is more loyal to their university than Ken Levicka, I'm not in any way exaggerating. Yes, Ken is our teammate and brother from another here, of course. But he loves that university, his loyalty to that football program, that basketball program. And I've told those people there because there was a luncheon a few years ago that they had me MC a Q&A with Joe Girardi, the uh, former manager of the New York Yankees and uh, also the Miami Marlins. And I expressed the fact that Ken Levicka loves that program more than they know. He's more loyal to that program than they know. For him, it's not a paycheck. For him, it's not a gig. It's not a side gig. For him, it is truly his heart. He, in the call that you just heard, hear a guy who's excited for that team, those boys, because he doesn't see it as a job, Stone Labanowitz. He sees it as family. It's his life. He actually bleeds blue and red. I don't know if it's navy or red or blue and red, whatever it is. You know, what shade is that? It's a good question. Sometimes it's Navy, there's a little Royal in there. Yeah, and they even go Miami Vice now and then. And they're actually rocking that. I, or I think they did in Columbus one of the nights. But you know when you were a college athlete, you definitely do. You were a Division One athlete yourself. You know when you only wear team issue quitter, gear? Quitter. Division One quitter. That's fine. It's important to know it's that. It's fine. It still yeah. counts. Yeah. You know when you're an athlete, the only clothes that you wear are the <laughs> official gear? Yeah. That's Ken when he shows up to the office every day. Yeah. The only clothes that he wears are team official FAU stuff that was given to him for free. So he yeah. does bleed this. He feels as if he's a part of the team. And honestly, play-by-play guys are more a part of the team than anybody actually knows. But there's a lot of play-by-play guys that are looking for the next job. There's of course. A, they're just like coaches. You know, Rick Patino right now is in a situation where he's at Iona, and they asked him after the game about his future, and he did not say, I'm going to be here, which tells you, obviously, anything's on the table. When people refuse to immediately deny in the detection of deceit and deception, we know something is up. 
Well, you got a lot of play-by-play guys that might be at a school, at a mid-major, that might be at a school like FAU, and they're putting their resume real. They're putting their audio out for the big programs, for the big schools, for the big shot. That's not Ken Levicka. Yes, he could compete on that level. He could be doing this every Saturday on ESPN, calling college football games instead of just FAU. What I'm trying to stress is what I tried to stress to FAU and why I campaigned for Ken Levicka to get a championship ring when they won Conference USA in football, when I felt that he was cheated and slighted out of one. Find me someone that cares more about the program than Ken. There's no one that cares more. There's some that care as much, but not as more. He doesn't have as much skin in the game, but he's more emotionally invested and loyalty invested quite possibly than anyone else. And when you hear those clips of play-by-play guys, it, it takes about two seconds to realize, you know, how invested is this person? Yeah. When you hear Ken's call, you know instantly how much this matters to him. And like, what, just the pitch, the volume, everything involved in a call, Ken brings it, man. And, and a lot of play-by-play guys would make the moment about them. They'd be thinking about terminology and phrases they're mm-hmm. waiting to turn. You see video shot by Arthur Dorsey, who, by the way, will be joining us in the second hour of Ken Levick Alive. Josh Cohen in for Ken today alongside Stone LeBanowitz. Ken traveling with FAU on their way to Madison Square Garden. They spend the week, great time of year to be in New York City. Great place to play basketball. But let's be honest. When you've got Sweet 16 in Madison Square Garden, that's one of those dreams that you wake up from and you say, damn it, I wish I'd go back to sleep because I want to know how this finishes. I want to know how this goes from here. Theo Dorsey, our own television side, News Channel 5, Fox 29, and of course, contributor to the home team and Ken Levick Alive. He is with the team, was this past weekend. He will be joining us here in about an hour or so. And he had video of Ken. And you saw it on Twitter that matches the audio that you just heard. What you see is an animated Levicka in the final seconds trying to temper his professionalism of describing the action with what he hopes is going to happen. That's the hardest part about that job. All of us are sports fans. All of us watch these games on TV. All of us are critical of the announcers and the analysts. All of us are. Last night, I watched the end of Gonzaga, and I was on Twitter remarking that that was the worst broadcast team I've ever heard. Really? It was. Just, I mean, it sounded like an amateur podcast that they were doing for fun. Didn't have the flow. It seemed as though the play-by-play person uh, maybe lost control of their analysts. Regardless, we're all critical of. When you are doing that job, you have to separate what you want to happen from what you see happening. You have to be able to temper that. And Ken does a perfect job on Friday night, St. Patrick's Day, in Columbus, Ohio, of tempering exactly what's happening with then when the buzzer sounds, you hear the screaming, but what you don't hear is him jumping up and down. That's what you see on the video from Theo Dorsey. He's an excited child. And all the power to him. He's an excitable child because he cares that much. All the other play-by-play guys are going to scream and think about how they can get their quote on SportsCenter. Ken is jubilant in the celebration (laughs) because he is that invested into the program, the university. It's part of his life. It's part of his heart. And you see that, and it makes you you feel happier for him almost than you do for the program. And, And I think if you haven't seen that video for the audience out there, it's on our very own social media platform at ESPN West Palm. And you said child, and it's funny because I think that was all of our takes for the people who do know him. Now, the video is catching a lot of traction because you're watching a guy who, like we said, bleeds these colors and loves this university. But the same mannerisms that we've come to know and that I experience every day of my life, right? Just the hand glitches, the, the jumping up and down or just kind of losing control that Ken does on a daily basis. He does it in that video. So, like you said, I mean, he stays true to his practice yeah. and, and that – you know, you said it best, but that excited, jubilant little child in him came out in that video again on our social media platforms. It's undefeated, man. Ken is just, he just, I said it already, but he brings it in that video. Go check it out. If you're a home team listener, you know, I talk often about body language, yeah. nonverbals. You hear announcers now talk about body language, people re- exhibiting bad body language. Most of us are pretty good at being able to read other people. You can have the volume off and see whether things are going well for a player or not, or for a fan base or not, or for a gambler or not. Ken demonstrates, and I'm studied in nonverbals for 20-some-plus years. Ken exhibits childlike excitement. <laughs> what, what these are referred to is um, anti-gravitational or gravity-defying behaviors. I love it. Human beings, when we become excited, leave the ground. Blind people do. 
children from China or Russia do. 90-year-olds in Serbia do the same. It is part of our limbic brain system. We cannot control our body language, and it tells the educated eye everything about what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're wanting, and what you're fearing. The four big. Ken's jumping up and down is twofold. It is short, abbreviated, excitable child, (laughs) and it's also, I don't want to unplug my headset. So I got to be careful that the cord is not too long. But he's not doing adult jumping. He's not jumping for height. He's doing the kitty, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, bounce up and down because a child like Ken Lavica had a wish come true. And that is to see a second round, to keep his dream alive, the program's dream alive, with the idea of 40 minutes away from the Sweet 16. Let me put this in context for the Ken Lavica live audience in case you're not necessarily completely on how the tournament works. The first weekend, we just finished. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. By the end of Friday, the field of 64 becomes 32. Saturday and Sunday, those teams play, and that 32 becomes 16. Now, it picks up on Thursday. Thursday, half the teams play. Friday, half the teams play. With that, there's eight teams on Thursday, eight on Friday. The winners advance to Saturday and Sunday. By Sunday night, we have the final four. FAU is currently a five to a five and a half point underdog to Tennessee. Let me repeat that. FAU is a five to five and a half point underdog to Tennessee. When you go just on conference alone, that's worth five points. When you go SEC versus, that's worth five points. FAU is not a big underdog on Thursday night. And many could argue they're actually a better basketball team. I am not going to be the least bit surprised to see FAU advance into the Elite Eight, play on Saturday, and be 40 minutes away from a freaking Final Four. I'm not going to be shocked. And this isn't wishful thinking because I'm not an FAU fan. I'm a supporter of the university. I'm a supporter of our partner and our neighbor. But it's not like I'm jumping on a bandwagon. My job has always been to tell the people since the show began in 1999, or at least the home team began in 1999, excuse me. My job has always been to tell you what I believe will happen, not what I want to happen. I never confuse what I hope and wish to be versus what it truly is. People need to hear the truth. And the truth is, there was no bigger favorite yesterday in the entire March Madness slate than FAU. There was no one favored by as many points to win. FAU did not cover the spread. They were favored by as many as 15 points. They were expected to win. The money line on that game. And for those of you new to the gambling, or you're learning it through Stone, or maybe you've listened to the home team <laughs> when I'm on from four to six. I do preach it here on Ken Levick a lot. There you go. The minus indicates how much money you would have to lay to win 100 bucks. The plus number indicates what you would win if you laid that 100 bucks. Don't you know that Thursday night, if you bet 100 bucks on FAU, you're going to get back about 195. You're going to get back about 200. It's only about a two to one return. But last night, FAU, to bet them to just win the game, forget about the point spread, you had to lay as high as $1,500. I saw at game time, minus $1,500. You'd risk $1,500 to make $100. That's how much of a sure thing, quote unquote, FAU was expected to be last night. And I think the, the, the most unique part about it was Fairly Dickinson was be slowly but surely becoming everybody's Cinderella story, per se, for this year's March Madness, right? Mm-hmm. Taking down Purdue, another 16 versus one right. that fell. Just a second ever to do that. Yeah, and then, like I said, what was most unique was that then FAU kind of became the villain because then they knocked off that fairly Dickinson team, and <laughs> right. it was kind of, this is odd, because FAU came into this thing at plus 20,000 to hoist this thing, to win it all, and here they are. It's a quick turnaround. You're right. Right. It was kind of just the From two extremes. That, because if FAU were playing um, uh, Purdue, everyone would have been rooting for FAU. Right. How quickly that dog Cinderella story gets turned into the, eh, move aside, we got a new one. In this case, it took uh, less than 48 hours. Right. It took less than 48 hours for that dog Cinderella story to turn into the, well, we want to see the other guy because they're a 16 seed. You guys aren't as far down the list. Uh, What we're going to do, Stone, is really be honest with ourselves for a second. We know this team a little bit better than maybe the rest of the country does. And certainly you do because you work with Ken on this show every single day. And Ken, with this team, when they were terrible, 
when they were good. And even this year when they're really, really good. FAU, from the outsider, the casual observer, those that filling out brackets today that are at the water cooler somewhere in Iowa, there's someone who's in an elevator right now in Wisconsin, someone who's in New York City saying, hey, that FAU, they're going to be here on Thursday. They view the FAU Owls as a Cinderella story. The nation sees FAU as one of those glass slippers, Cinderella's, but when will the clock strike midnight? When will the carriage turn into a pumpkin? This FAU team, and I'm going to tell you right now, analysts, you're well aware for the most part, this FAU team is not a Cinderella story. This FAU team is not some come out of nowhere. No one could have seen this. That is not who they are. If you are calling FAU a Cinderella team, you are insulting this program, this coach, that Membership of young men that have been out there earning 31 wins prior to the tournament beginning, 33-3 and right now. You can't tell me that they are some Cinderella story. I I want to agree with you, but there are so many things that tell us that it is a Cinderella story. Like what? For a team that was plus 20,000 coming into it, fourth longest odds to do the damn thing? I mean, that's really telling as is. Let's talk about coming from the Conference USA. If you remember a few years back, Loyola Chicago, right, came from the Missouri Valley Conference. I think if you ask, not a casual, but somebody who does study and follow college basketball, they would tell you that the Missouri Valley Conference is a stronger conference when talking about at-large bids than Conference USA teams are. So it's like, okay, who's this team from Conference USA? There's... This team's never done it before. Also, let's go back and turn the clock. All right. This is the second appearance in March Madness for these guys. Boom, I think that automatically makes it a Cinderella story. And I, I, I just think with uh, a team coming in from Florida that, that nobody even paid attention to, that nobody gave a shot to, I mean, all the math adds up. This is a Cinderella story through and through and through. Cinderella's Andy all- Katz. Andy Katz of CBS. Yeah. <laughs> he is one of the most coveted, coveted analysts who covers March Madness respected. and college basketball. Respected. Yeah, most respected. About an hour and a half ago, he tweeted from his own Twitter account, the Sweet 16 college basketball power rankings. Josh, where do you think FAU landed on Andy Katz's list? Uh, as of now? or As of pre-season? right now, about an hour and a half ago, with the 16 teams that are left, where did FAU rank in the power rankings? He's got FAU in number eight. Dead last, Josh. 16. No. Andy Katz no. put FAU at 16. I think, therefore, again, this is a little Cinderella vibe. Cinderella is a story about coming out of nowhere, the unexpected. Nobody saw this happening. If you're telling me that you didn't see FAU entering as a nine seed, playing an eight seed as a one-point underdog to win a game, you're out of your mind. If you're telling me, Stone, that then as a minus 1,500 favorite, on Sunday night, a, a minus 13 mm. to 14, fi- to as high as a uh, 15-point favorite as well in that game. But they're not supposed to win that game. Nobody was supposed to win more yesterday than FAU. This is a story of, A, you earned it, B, fortunate seating, and C, thank God you got to play fairly Dickinson instead of Purdue <laughs> because that may have been a very different challenge. You know, it, it's hard to argue with the fact that they were minus 1,500 on the money line. The biggest favorite on the slate, right? The Florida Atlantic Owls. Insane. It, it, it is insane, but I'll up the ante here. So I'm obviously having a conversation with Ken, right? He's hanging out with the team. He's traveling to New York City. And I asked him in a, in, a, in a phone call earlier this morning, hey, you know, me and Josh are on the show today. Is there any specific things you want pumped out? You know, what would you kick it off with? Just to kind of chat and see what he wanted to, what was on his mind. And, and he hit me with this. Ask the people this. What's the most random sports success you've ever seen? So Ken, who bleeds this blue and red, considers this run random from his owls, from his own owls. With all due respect to the man in his own show, Ken is terrible at topics. (laughs) Because this is not a random run. Now, this may caught he may have backed this up by saying, it's not random to me, it's not random to us because we know it. But to the outside observer, again, that guy who's that guy who's at the water cooler in Iowa. That woman right now that's in the elevator in Los Angeles. What's her name? That guy who's in New York City walking past MSG. They think Florida Atlantic is a school they've never heard of that came out of nowhere because they are casuals. They're outside observers. A 31-win team right. isn't a fluke. A 31-win team 
isn't some come from nowhere randomness. They benefited from playing Memphis in the first round in a 9-8 matchup where they're a one a one point dog and then being the biggest favorite possible on Sunday. If they benefit from anything, it's fortunate seating and having Fairleigh Dickinson do the tough work, the hard work, and that is remove the one seed to allow them a spot to play for the Sweet 16. Yeah, you're making me teeter a little bit, and we're two guys who typically lean on Vegas and the sports books for a lot of our information or a lot of our foundational things. I mean, you're a five-and-a-half-point underdog to the Tennessee Volunteers. SEC's worth five points alone. Coming out of the SEC, and you hinted at it earlier, you think they're a better basketball team. We're going to have Matt McCall on here earlier, an NBC analyst and also a member and a correspondent of the Field of 68. He's going to talk about how damn good this FAU team is. And defensively, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Now, I don't know more than an analyst does, but defensively, they're a better team than the Tennessee Volunteers. So I think odds, you know, being minus 1,500, being only a five-point dog to an SEC team, I, it's tough to argue there, Cinderella, but I'm going to side with that, that Sandy from Iowa hanging out at the water cooler talking about who was uh, this uh, this team from Florida? What's their name again? What? Atlantic, Florida. Yeah, yeah. Atlantic Ocean. Right. Who are they? Uh, Matt McCall, by the way, part of that Florida Gator team that won back-to-back national championships 2006-2007, an assistant coach at Florida, a head coach at UT Chattanooga, and by the way, at University of Massachusetts, UMass, John Calipari, 25 years earlier in that role. That's a program. Um, he's going to join us. Marcus Camby, a name that you don't recall. No, I don't. He's, yeah, Matt McCall's going to join us at the top of the hour. Here's the Ken Levicka question of the day on Ken Levicka Live. Is this FAU run a Cinderella story? Yes or no? 888-760-ESPN. 888-760-3776. In your feeling, you, according to you, is this a Cinderella run? They've made the Sweet 16 in the program history. They only ever played in one tournament game. It was their first ever tournament win on Thursday um, and Friday. It was their second ever tournament win on Sunday. Obviously, their first ever appearance in the Sweet 16. But at 33-3, and is FAU currently a Cinderella story? 888-760-ESPN. 888-760-3776. Phone lines are wide open. It is a yes or no question. And if you want to explain why, feel free to do so. I'm going to tell you. That everyone's got their own definition of what Cinderella means, Cinderella story means. To me, it means how did they get in? They found a way somehow, and here, in, now, they're doing the unthinkable. When you're a one-point dog, you got a good chance to win a game. When you're a 15-point favorite, you're expected to win the game. I'm sorry, this is not a Cinderella story. It's a good team from a program the rest of the country doesn't know that did what they were supposed to do given the opportunity to do so. So let me ask you this. College of Charleston, you familiar with the game? Of course I am. All right. If they were to make Musselman this used to coach that team, by the way. I have no clue who yeah. Musselman is. Eric Musselman took his shirt off. Oh, did yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. No, I had no clue. But I do know who Musselman is now. Yeah. If College of Charleston got to the Sweet 16, <laughs> would you consider a Cinderella story? I don't know enough about their schedule this year, to be honest. I know historically they're a decent program because I remember playing them several years with high expectations and 710s or 512 seedings, and they didn't advance. Playing hardball, yes or no? Probably yes. Probably yes. They had the same pre-tournament odds as Florida Atlantic at plus yeah. 20,000. Correct. Correct. Yeah. It is a situation in which we find ourselves in unchartered waters. Palm Beach County has a Sweet 16 college basketball team. This is one of the most significant events in Palm Beach County sports history. There's no question that this is one of the most, I mean, historically, in Palm Beach County sports history, this is one of the most significant events. Wow. FAU making the Sweet 16. Yes or no, this is a Cinderella story for FAU in the Sweet 16. I say no. Stone says it is a Cinderella story. Stone, where shall I go? Let's go to Gary in West Palm Beach. Gary in West Palm Beach. You're on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Gary? Hey, how are you doing? Doing good, Gary. No, this is not a Cinderella story. I watched those kids play, and this is a real ball club. They got a seven-footer in the middle. They got experienced guards. This, this is a real team. This is not a Cinderella story. This is a legit squad. I appreciate the call, and I agree with you completely. Ugh. Gary's right. They are who they thought they are. 
They are who we thought they are. Just because you are ignorant to who and what a team is Love and it. what they've done doesn't mean they're a Cinderella. It's just foreign to you. You don't know. A 31-win team is not a Cinderella story. You know who's a Cinderella? <laughs> the Cinderella story is the team that went 19, uh, that went 18 and 14 and found a way in because they won their tournament by a couple of lucky breaks. Had to go through murderers, bro. And it's an automatic win. It's an automatic bid. That's a Cinderella story. FAU may not have been known to the to the to the nation and to the casual fan and to the bracket filler outer once a year. But this ain't a Cinderella story. This is a good basketball team that's where they're supposed to be. And if Josh Cohen were to take the mic in a press conference, infamously so, and if you were to ask Dusty May, <laughs> is this run for you guys a Cinderella story? He'd be offended. He would be offended. You're right on. He would. He yeah, would. Yeah. He would talk about, just like Gary did, Vlad Golden, the seven-footer sitting at center that nobody can guard right now, that he would have loved to see the matchup against Zach Eady, Purdue's big man. So... I, that's tough for me to argue with because Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, would laugh at the question. He would feel offended if we said, hey, it's a Cinderella story. And also, he's going to be asked the question, so stay tuned. He's going to answer it. But the coach is not here to tell us the truth because coaches get punished, as I often say on the home team. We are in the business of sports media, and you know what we want? You to tell us the truth so we can punish you for it. <laughs> we want you to tell us the truth. We try to trick you I love that. into telling us the truth. I've been at press conferences and I've asked questions in search of the truth. And I've been told that I was being rude somehow or that I had an agenda. Yes, I have an agenda. It's called the truth is what I'm looking for here. And the truth is often inconvenient. But we, as a society, think about it. If you talk to a coach after they win and they said, FAU and Tennessee coming up next, who would you rather see on Saturday that coach, you know what he's going to say? We're not concerned with that. We'll be ready for both. We're going to get our team ready. We're excited for the challenge. But how great would it be? Coach, you're on to Saturday. You're a game away from the Final Four. Who would you rather face, Tennessee or FAU? Oh, we'd rather play FAU. Are you kidding me? Who are they? No one's ever heard of them. What would happen? Sports media go crazy. Yeah, Bulletin board material Absolutely. go crazy. How dare you? And then they say, he doesn't know who you are. They don't care who you are. Let's go get it. Rah, rah, rah. Run through the chalkboard. And we got a glimpse of that, actually. Let's rewind the clock. Two or three days ago, the Fairleigh Dickinson coach literally thought that his boys were going to play Memphis. Correct. He said, can't wait to see Memphis. I don't Correct. remember the phrase that he used. Yes. But yeah, he overlooked Florida Atlantic. Correct. So I guess that kind of helps my argument a little bit. He didn't even give these guys a chance. And what? Would these, they were a one-point underdog going up against Memphis. So, I mean, it's tough. It's a tough spot to be in right now because they did win 31 games. They are built. They do have a bunch yeah. of seniors on the roster. Uh, the vote is available on Twitter. Josh on air on Twitter. Josh on air on Twitter. It's Ken Levick alive. I'm just filling in. But the question is asked, is this a Cinderella story? Yes or no? Uh, throughout the show, we're going to give you a chance to hear not just the call of Ken Levick on FAU's historic tournament win on Thursday, on Friday night, excuse me, but also from last night, anticlimactic, but to the Sweet 16, this is real life. This is really happening. We will be joined coming up shortly by Matt McCall, a college basketball analyst with NBC Sports, who was a part of that Florida Gator team that won back-to-back championships. What's it like when you advance the Sweet 16? What are those days like with travel, preparation, and media? How do you go about that? Because it's kind of like a summer camp trip that gets extended. <laughs> FAU hoped that they were going to go from Columbus to New York City. Were they counting on it? They were hoping. Counting on is a totally different thing now, isn't it? We'll find out. Plus, Theo Dorsey's been covering the team from our side, from our team. With FAU, he will get with us in the second hour as well. He is Stone LeBanowitz. I'm Brother Love, and this is Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Davis got them both. 78-70, to 70, Florida Atlantic. 18 seconds left. Roberts across the timeline for Fairleigh Dickinson on the left wing. He's going to force a three. Jackson up. Missed it. Captain the Florida Atlantic rebound. Fairleigh Dickinson says no fouls. Florida Atlantic is going to the sweet 16. Florida Atlantic is going to go to New York City. Madison. 
Madison Square Garden for the Sweet 16. Florida Atlantic wins it 78 to 70. Now, back to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. History being made for Florida Atlantic, our FAU Owls. History being made in Palm Beach County as we got a basketball team in the Sweet 16. Are you experiencing foot and or ankle pain and need to see an expert in the field? Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as the leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines the resources of experienced physicians and leading-edge treatments and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacements, spine and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash ortho for more information today. Jay to the C, brother love, that's me, in for Ken Levicka on Ken Levicka Live alongside Stone Labanowitz, who is on a sleep schedule of, what, two hours on the plane and then two hours on the second flight. You you didn't you didn't go to bed since, what, Saturday night? You haven't, you haven't been in a bed since Saturday night. That is correct. You were in Arizona. You flew back last night red-eye, but you didn't have a direct flight red-eye. You had one of those connecting red-eyes, which is... Just the absolute worst. I mean, it's brutal. It's brutal. Nonetheless, I, I touched down in Fort Lauderdale at 6 a.m., drove right up here to the studio to get his cooked up because it's history in Palm Beach County. So I'm all right. I've had three or four cups of coffee and a Red Bull, so I got no complaints. Ken Levicka may be joining us. We do know that Theo Dorsey, who traveled with the team, uh, will be joining us as well as Matt McCall, who knows exactly what it's like during that transition from winning a game to winning a second game to then moving on to the Sweet 16 town, setting up shop, and extending summer camp, as we call it, or at least as I call it, where, all right, we're in bonus time now. We don't have to go home. We get to stay out here. Hope this ride never ends. The sound you just heard was the end of last night's FAU win over Fairleigh Dickinson. Ken, in that audio you'll hear, is excitable. Not nearly as much as he was, obviously, because of the drama of Friday night's first-round win. But what you will notice when Ken is talking of FAU now securing this win and advancing to the round of Sweet 16, you hear the arena booing. I want you to listen to it one more time. The Ken LaVica sound. They are not necessarily booing Ken, nor are they necessarily booing FAU winning. Take a listen to the audience, to the crowd in the arena as time is running out on this FAU win last night. Davis got them both. 78 to 70, Florida Atlantic. 18 seconds left. Roberts across the timeline for Fairleigh Dickinson on the left wing. He's going to force a three. Jackson up, missed it. Captain of the Florida Atlantic rebound. Fairleigh Dickinson says no fouls. Florida Atlantic is going to the sweet 16. Florida Atlantic is going to go to New York City, Madison Square Garden. And when you hear that booing, I want you to understand, when Ken Levicka says on the call, no fouls, that means Fairleigh Dickinson now has decided we're not going to prolong this. We're not going to follow you, send you to the line, hope you miss them, make a shot. There's a point in a game in which a team surrenders. There's a point in which in these games. Now, had FAU missed those free throws by Davis, yes, they would have then fouled. The re- in other words, you're saying... All right, we tried our best. Right. We're not going to follow you, send line, and prolong this. But what happened was Elijah Davis, who had 14 points for the Owls last night, who was the second, Elijah Martin, excuse me, Elijah Martin, the second highest scorer for the Owls last night. He attempted a 360 dunk (laughs) as time was expiring. And that's one of those unwritten rules in which, bro, there's no need to score. Even if there was a shot clock to be violated, you let it violate because there's no need for you to do this. Take a listen to the television call on the exact final moments this last night on the Turner crew. I think it was on TBS or True TV. Take a listen because they're going to address the fact that Elijah Martin attempted a dunk for no reason. And that's considered an unwritten rule. That's considered poor sportsmanship, if you will, in uh, the world of college basketball. Take a listen. Martin's going to come in and miss the jam. And some booze from the fans. Yeah, from, yeah shouldn't do that. Tolkien Anderson's upset. He is upset at midcourt. 
Dusty May looks like he's apologizing. He knows that Martin should not have done that. Yeah, that is not right. So there's a broadcast crew that's wondering, do we say that is uncalled for, that is unsportsmanlike, or do they let it breathe? And in that spot, since the crowd is letting the audience know with the booing, you let it breathe a little bit. But what we saw last night at the end of that game is not normally what you do or what you perhaps some would argue should do. But we also had the end of a game later last night involving the Gonzaga Bulldogs in which a three-pointer was shot with 0.7 on the clock (laughs) uncontested, and that shook Las Vegas to a Richter scale 7.0 magnitude earthquake because that was the point spread being busted. There's a time, there's a place, there's a, ooh, there's a, well, the point spread was not in play in the FAU game. The point spread was not in play with the Fairleigh Dickinson. Is that an absolute no-no? No matter what was said during the game, is that absolutely a no-no for a player to attempt some kind of a 360 dunk? It wasn't a layup. It wasn't just a quick little cheap, easy little point. This was a difficult 360 that he missed, by the way. Is it wrong to attempt that duck, dunk yes or no, Stone LeBan? Hell no, it is not wrong. What? I, I, I struggle with these. And I think it's. Did you hear the arena? Of course, I heard the arena. Did you hear the announcer? Whose Cinderella, whose beautiful Fairleigh Dickinson story got ruined? Yeah, I did hear that arena. Who didn't want to see the Owls advance? Yeah, I did hear that arena. I think partially I struggle with this because I'm a young buck. I'm 24 years old. In Elijah Martin's case, this kid's a sophomore. He's 20 years old. God forbid. You talked about the play-by-play and the color color analyst letting things breathe. Let this thing breathe before you have a reaction. This is a 20-year-old. This is a kid who's going to never, never experience something like what he is right now. He's on the biggest stage with the brightest lights. Want to throw down something fancy, kid? Go ahead. You guys have 33 wins. You're sweet 16 dancing in New York City in the Mecca. Live it up a little bit, kid. I mean, what are we doing? Do you know how I know it was wrong? Because the coach of your Florida Atlantic Owls, Dusty May, apologized for it. Not just because the arena said it was wrong, and not just because the broadcaster said it was wrong, but a coach doesn't apologize immediately for an action unless everybody knows it's the wrong thing to do. Damage control, one. Two. Well, why why'd you need damage control unless you did something wrong? Because you, you know, did nothing wrong. There's no need to control damage. Be, There's no damage done. Yeah, it is. Because you don't know what these people are talking about on the Bird app, right? On uh, ESPN, on Keyshawn J. Will and Max, on Josh Cohen and the home team later. Right? You just want to prevent everything. You want to keep it down to a hush-hush. Also, I mean, just, I mean, put it into perspective, I, I do struggle with this. I, I really do struggle with this. And we've had Dusty May on this show, Ken Levick Alive, three, four, five, six times this season, and I have never gotten the dosage of coaches' talk than I have heard from Dusty May. So he's just that type of guy. Like, that's how he goes about it. Professionalism at its core. This guy deserves to be coaching basketball for the Texas Longhorns, for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Here he is at FAU handling it like a true pro. Like I said earlier, it's a 20-year-old sophomore. I mean, let this kid breathe a little bit, please. So it's a poor decision, and it is not what is (laughs) normally um, accepted or reasonable. Because if it's the losing team, that's one thing. The winning team is a totally different thing. What's if he got injured on that play? What's if Elijah Martin on this 360, we just saw the New York Mets lose their closer on a celebration of the World Baseball Classic. The buzzer sounds, he's attempting to land from this 360 dunk that he missed on. And what's if he comes down and blows out an ankle, blows out a knee, what then? I mean, it's a good question. Unnecessary risk, isn't it? I mean, it's absolutely a necessary risk. Aside from sportsmanship, it's kind of a dumb thing to do. No? Yes, I I agree with that because that's where the conversation would then steer, right? With all the national media, with all the television, that's where the conversation would then steer. Can we stop celebrating? You're going to get Michael Wilbon and the other really old guy with gray hair and and he's half bald. You get him crying. Half bald? Tony Kornheiser? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 80% bald. (laughs) 80% bald. You went from 50 to 80 just like that. That's where where the conversation would go. Come on, you got to be safer here. So, Oh, no, they'll address it. I promise you, it'll be around the horn tonight. It will. There'll be two shots from yesterday that will be on around the horn and pardon the interruption tonight. It will be the buzzer beater 
three that busted the spread that went from a seven point win to a yep. three point win against Gonzaga and this Elijah Martin attempted dunk that had no business taking place whatsoever. But let's be realistic because Fairleigh Dickinson, when they beat Purdue, was plus 1,500, 15 to one to get it done. And they did. Then they were 15 to one again against Florida Atlantic. So everybody in the stands, right, who spent thousands of dollars to get there, who was obviously has some sort of gambling ticket place, some sports book on their phone, you know, you can do it however you want to nowadays. That's the team they want to see win. So when you know you're about to lose, and then a kid jumps out the gym 360, tries to throw down a windmill. It just hurts a little more. That's where the booze came from. If Fairleigh Dickinson would have fouled in that spot, if they would have fouled in that spot, the crowd would have booed. Because the crowd would have said, come on, man. I don't necessarily think that's true. The crowd would have said, come on, man. You ain't getting this back. This is over. Enough already. You ain't get, you're up by eight. This ain't happening. Let it go. He, he just made the free throws. He just made, let it go. What are you following for? You hear that sometimes in college basketball. You hear you hear a crowd go, let it go. Make yeah. like Elsa from Frozen. They would have booed if they would have fouled if you sent them to the line. And which Since they don't foul, it means please don't shoot the ball. There's no need to. Elijah Martin attempted to dunk that ball. I, I promise you, Dusty May had him apologize to that other team. You're damn right he did. It, and you don't ask your player to apologize unless you know they did something wrong. Okay, well, can you end it with this? It looked good, right? <laughs> it, it look, I'm glad he missed. <laughs> because I think having it, ball don't lie. And, it, and, and the ball not going down was ball saying, this ain't right, young man. That's fair. You're I love not, that. You're not doing the right thing. This ain't right. Uh, we come back. Why this might be one of the most significant sporting events in Palm Beach County history. Plus, coming up at the top of the hour, Matt McCall, an NBC Sports college basketball analyst. Uh, By the way, he also took a team that he coached to the NCAA tournament, and he was a member of that 2006-2007 back-to-back national championship team as a member of the coaching and management staff, University of Florida Gators. He knows a little something about what happens now as you transition out of your home uh, second round for that past week, and now you're on your way not home, but to your temporary home, which is the site of the Sweet 16. FAU is now two games away from the Final Four. They are 40 minutes away from the Elite Eight. They are 40 minutes away from being 40 minutes away. Look at it that way. One step at a time. Kamovic is excited, as you might imagine. South Florida is excited, as you might imagine. Oh, and by the way, Miami Hurricanes. Congratulations as well. Let's not forget. We, we cannot, nor shall we. But that's what's expected of a program like Miami. For FAU, this is somewhere they've never been. And that is the second round, and that is the third round, meaning Sweet 16. That's Stone Lebanowitz. I'm Brother Love, and this is Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Davis has Golden Boyd and Gradley Martin at his disposal. Davis has the basketball, looks to inbound, throws right corner, Boyd, shot fake with four, with three, Boyd to the rim, layup, good! He landed it with two and a half seconds left, inbound, low match with one, they don't get a shot off, they don't get a shot off, the cannon couldn't get the shot off, Nick Boyd the hero, Florida Atlantic will see him. Now, back to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. The audio you heard was Ken LaVica on the FAUL radio network on Friday night as they won their first ever tournament game advancing to play last night to win their way in to the Sweet 16. Somewhere the OWL program had never been. You hear the excitement, you hear the passion, and someone who was there along the ride entirely is our own teammate from ESPN West Palm, ESPN 106.3 FM, and of course, anchor and reporter on our sports television of WPTV News Channel 5 and Fox 29, our own Theo Dorsey, who, by the way, is just back into South Florida. What a weekend it must have been, Theo. How exciting, how much fun was it to witness this firsthand? Man, I, I just literally pulled back up to the crib from the airport. This was crazy. This was like unforeseen. And the weird part is, you know, like the first game was the one that was really a roller coaster. Yeah. When we saw we had the 16 seed, we started to kind of assume, hey, Sweet 16, it looks like it's a likely deal. And, man, I'm just glad they did it. 
Theo Dorsey joining us live on Ken Levicka Live, who just landed moments ago, back from Columbus, Ooh. Ohio. You got to uh, witness the drama of Friday night firsthand. Kind of explain to people the vibe, the energy in that final 10 seconds of play. We heard Ken describe it. But for you, watching Ken, watching the game, what does that play? How does that play out? How would you describe that for the audience? Man, even the whole last 10 minutes or so, I had the FAU student section and really alumni and everybody right behind me. I got Ken to my right, who you know how he goes. He's, he's riding with every play, ups and downs, the emotions. Yeah. And then there's an FAU student to my left, and everybody's just anxious, man. Like, people are wondering what their travel plans are going to be. I literally, I can't lie, Josh, I had my Delta app out. I was ready to rearrange some flights, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> trying to make sure I don't, don't miss out on the uh, early deals if they did lose. And, man, when, when Nick Boyd hit that lefty layup, I had my phone out. I recorded Ken because I knew this was a big moment for him, his first game, uh, first NCAA tournament game he's calling. And I didn't even actually see Nick Boyd do it live because I was focused on getting the reaction from Ken. And it was, it was more than worth it, man. That video, by the way, is available on our Twitter at ESPN West Palm on Twitter. Theo Dorsey shooting the video of Ken Levicka calling the final seconds of Friday's win. For 20 years, ESPN West Palm has been defining sports in the Palm Beaches and Treasure Coast. This is a chapter that didn't make the first 20 years, but certainly is a highlight of year 21. This is um, something that is as significant as any sports event in Palm Beach County. We've got our FAUs he- here, our neighboring school, in the Sweet 16. It's not a Cinderella story, I contest. You're there. You're in the media room. You're amongst reporters from every market from New York to Los Angeles to Chicago and every small market accordingly. Are they viewing FAU's run is a Cinderella story? I am not. I think it would feel more Cinderella if they had Purdue in the second round. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Like, playing a 16 seed in FBU, being favored by, like, 15 points, that kind of took some of the air out of the quote-unquote Cinderella story part of it. Also, like, everybody in the world now, huge FBU fans, even though they can't name one dude on that team, like, that was a weird thing to kind of witness. But I, I don't know, man. I think it still is Cinderella, uh, mainly because getting through Memphis was tough. Still winning that second round game is big. And, I mean, again, 33-3, and three, conference champions. I don't know. You, you might have me on this one. I, I want to say this Cinderella because, you know, i got to write the headlines, but it, it feels like they're supposed to be there. Our own Theo Dorsey, our sports ESPN 106.3 FM on News Channel 5 and Fox 29, who was with the team this past Thursday through just an hour ago in Columbus, Ohio, joins us here on Ken Levick Alive. Stone Labanowitz, question for Theo. Yeah, so Theo, Josh and myself, up until you know this entire hour, have been talking to ourselves about how this is kind of a bucket list thing for Ken Levicka, how he's been able to experience this. And honestly, if we were to ask him this 10, 15 years ago, he would have never thought he would have been in this spot. But for you, was this some sort of a check-off-the-bucket-list thing as well? So technically, I mean, I had, I had covered some tournament games, but to be honest, I want to focus it more on Ken because I, it did feel that way from the jump. Like, I felt nervous even sitting next to Ken. <laughs> I remember on Friday for the, for the round one game before they faced off against Memphis, I was looking for a spot on the, uh, you know, media sits courtside right there. I'm looking for a spot. Everything's booked up because it's the first day, so all the media is staying. We had one of the late games, so people are still there. There's a spot next to Ken. I just go to dap him up, give him a quick pound and walk off. I know he's, you know, prepping for the game. It's minutes before tip. And he lets me, you know, he welcomes me up, says, take a seat next to me. And uh, at that point, I'm like, you know what, whatever Ken needs, I'm going to be here to kind of support him for it because I know he's rolled through the ups and downs, all 35 or what odd games with FAU. And, um, and it was just, I can't lie, man. Though it wasn't like a bucket list thing for me, it was incredible to kind of watch somebody who I got so much love for, be able to not just witness it, but witness the wins, man. Ken Ken is, I can tell you, I can't wait till y'all get Ken on the show today. That dude's got to be riding on an all-time high right now. Yeah, and I brought this up as we began, Ken Levick Alive earlier, uh, just in this past hour. I brought it up, the fact that these teammates here at ESPN West Palm, on air, off air, behind the scenes, on the scenes, are happier for Ken than they are for the program. People have to understand that as much as we are excited for FAU and the Owls, we are excited that a young man who has devoted half of his profession, more than that, almost half of his life, 
to covering a team in football and basketball, and you mentioned ups and downs. There have been a lot more downs than ups, particularly in basketball. There are a lot more downs than ups. A couple years ago, we tried to give away tickets to FAU home games. Had difficulty doing that. Literally giving them away. Had difficulty doing that. To now being 40 minutes away from the Elite Eight as a five-and-a-half-point underdog to an SEC team tells you that this is not Cinderella. This is a rival. And for Ken, we're also glad that he has a chance to enjoy a little bit of success and to prolong that stay, to stay on the road, to have another round, another game to play, to survive in advance, as we say in tournament play. So, Thea, I know that was fun for you, um, but certainly rewarding for you to see how much it meant to him. I, I got to tell you, too, man, and the thing about this FAU team, they're, they're, they are like literally it, – they're contagious, man. It's hard not to root for them. It's hard not to pull for them. Um, going into the locker room after both wins, uh, embracing with the guys as they kind of recall stuff that happened on the court. My favorite moment, though, from this weekend, John L. Davis. You know he had the historic sideline, 29 points, 12 boards, five assists, five steals, never been done before in the NCAA tournament. With about five minutes left, with everybody at Nationwide Arena jeering them, cheering for FDU, calling the Owls, all kind of names. Johnnell came to take the ball out right in front of me and Ken. There was an FDU fan, a Jersey kid, I can tell by the accent, heckling Johnnell, heckling him like left and right. Nelly turns around, looks at the kid, looks at me. He said, this bleep is over with. <laughs> this is like five minutes left in the game. About five minutes left. He said, this bleep is over with. Turns around, inbounds the ball. Very next play, he hit that turnaround jumper. And you know the rest. The rest is history. He put up that stat line. After the game, he talked to me about that. Like, these characters on his FAU team, like you said, the reason why it feels like they're not Cinderella is the confidence through yeah. the roof. And it starts right there with number one, man. Can't be a 31-win team heading into the tournament and be a Cinderella. I'm sorry. Maybe if you knock off mm-hmm. one, perhaps, or two, perhaps, but FAU is right where they belong to be. You head back to New York on uh, Thursday to be with the team, yes? Yep, yep. I'm trying to see right now. Book my flight before, again, to get all booked up. But I'll be back out there Thursday night. Madison Square Garden, baby. You going to pull up, Josh? What's up, man? I could, I could save a seat for you. <laughs> I would absolutely love to. Find a way, <laughs> and I'll be there. Theo Dorsey, News Channel 5, Fox 29, of course, here on ESPN 106.3. Appreciate it. Welcome back. Excited for y'all. And we'll talk to you soon, brother. Much love. Thank Peace. you. Thank you, Theo. Appreciate you taking time. He literally just landed. We come back, college basketball analyst from NBC Sports, a member, by the way, of that organization, the Florida Gators, when they went and won back-to-back national champions. Last team to do that, by the way, in 2006-2007. Matt McCall, he will join us. What's it like when you win your way into the Sweet 16, you stay on the road, you didn't pack enough stuff? He'll explain all of that. He stole the Banowitz. I'm Josh Cohen, in for Ken LaVica. Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3.